Welcome back to the Chris versus Everybody podcast. This is a podcast where I talk about any and everything, unedited and uncensored. This podcast is brought to you by Crisscross Studios. This is not a PG podcast. I bring facts and facts only to my platform and give my take on those facts. Go ahead and click the subscribe button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now. And also check out my platform on Patreon. Chris versus Everybody, www patreon.com slash chris versus everybody and become a supporter as low as five dollars a month your subscription gets you a variety of content including unedited versions of the podcasts and i will also drop other movies and other material from me and my friends including music appreciation nights not safe for work topics from the great debaters and more thank you for your support off the bat you've seen the title Michigan Wolverines have won a national championship, y'all. Our first national championship since 1997. And we are now the fifth team to go 15-0. Undefeated, 15 wins, and zero losses. They beat Alabama in the Rose Bowl to make it to the national championship, which they went against the Washington Huskies and whooped their ass. In convincing fashion. It all came down to defense, in my opinion. Both offenses had, you know, were pretty much equal until the second half when Michigan just ran away with it. But Washington got swarmed by our defense and they couldn't do anything. So congratulations, Michigan, and your long ride to the top. I know it's been eight years for Harbaugh. So I understand I was there when Harbaugh first got there, 2015, 2016. We were so happy. We were looking forward to a new day. Couldn't beat Ohio State to save his life. And then he finally got the pieces right, the coaching staff right, and they've actually beat Ohio State, I think, the last three years. So Ryan Day is Ryan Day is looking – he's in the hot seat, y'all. Doesn't look good for Ryan Day and Ohio State. But it's a great day for Michigan. I believe the parade is this Saturday. I'm not going because I hate crowds. But if you do plan on going, please plan ahead. Get down there as early as you can so you can get a good spot. Um, I believe there's a rally at Chrysler Center, which costs money. I don't know how much it costs. But go online, find out what it is. Congratulations. I won't be part of the celebration festivities. I'm just happy that my team won finally. Hail, hail, victors. Now... I want to switch over to professional football for a minute. The Detroit Lions are hosting a playoff game at Ford Field. Ladies and gentlemen, Ford Field opened up in 2002. That was 21 years ago. 22 years ago, actually. It's 2024. 22 years ago, they are finally having a home playoff game. At Ford Field. Think about that, y'all. This is the first playoff home playoff game for the Detroit Lions since 1991. And we beat the Cowboys in that game. The Lions are hosting the LA Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, where a familiar face is the quarterback. Yes, the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams is Former Detroit Lions quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Now, before we get into the playoff picture and what is going to happen, because it's going to happen, um, I need to talk to you guys about the history of Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Uh, they were they drafted him in 2009, uh, the number one draft pick. Since 2009, he has been to two playoff games. Two playoff games, one against Dallas in 2014, one against Seattle in, I believe, 2016 or 2017. Lost both in convincing fashion. Actually, the first one, Dallas was – Dallas, I mean, of course they had the picked-up flag, but they could have still won the game even without the, the flag play. The Seattle game, that was more of Seattle being better than us under the, under the Jim Caldwell era, which Jim Caldwell was not a bad coach. 
nine and seven just wasn't good enough for, you know, ownership at the time. So can't really complain about that. Fast forward to, I believe it was 2020, um, the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions traded quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff and a few draft picks, um, first round draft picks at that. And the Detroit Lions drafted very well. They drafted a lot of defensive picks, some offense. Um, and for the last three years under Dan Campbell, it has been actually pretty damn good. I'd be surprised if he didn't win a coach of the year. I would be very surprised if he did not win coach of the year. We're 12 and five, which is tied for most wins in franchise history in a season. Um, last time we went 12 and four, and that was the year we went to the playoffs and had a first round bye and went against the Dallas Cowboys and won that game, went to the NFC Championship and lost to the Washington Redskins at the time. Now they're called the Commanders for obvious reasons. Um, the Detroit Lions haven't won an NFL championship since 1957. My mom wasn't even born yet. My grandma was 13 years old. Detroit had 2 million people. That's how far far back you have to go for a Detroit Lions NFL championship victory. Now, the Super Bowl didn't start to the late 60s. So, of course, Detroit hasn't won a Super Bowl, nor have they ever been to a Super Bowl. We're just trying to get to a Super Bowl. The Detroit Lions have never been to a Super Bowl since the Super Bowl started. We have a chance to win, to get to one, and even win one this year with this team. With this team, this team is different. Ain't no same old Lions, blah, blah, blah. Of course we're going to get screwed like we did a few weeks ago in Dallas. But this team, if they do the right stuff this weekend, and I'll get to the games and everything in a second, if we do the right things that we're, that we're supposed to do, we can look like a Super Bowl winning team. A Super Bowl caliber team. Now let's do the NFC side first, just because the Lions are in the NFC. We have, of course, Los Angeles versus Detroit in Detroit at Fort Field Sunday night at 8:15 on NBC. Sunday night football. Earlier in the day, you have Green Bay versus Dallas at Dallas. Sunday night. 4.30 on Fox. Then on Monday, you have Philadelphia going to Tampa Bay Monday night on ABC, ESPN, all that stuff at 8 o'clock. Then on, on the AFC side, you have Cleveland versus Houston at Houston Saturday, 4.30, NBC. Miami at Kansas City Saturday at 8.15 on Peacock. Streaming only on Peacock. You're not going to be able to see this on TV you're not going to be able to hear this on the radio. It's going to be on Peacock only. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, go download Peacock. Pause the podcast. Download Peacock on your phone. Or get it on your smart TV. Either or. Or both. You might need both. And get Peacock before this weekend. Because you're not going to be able to find this game on TV at all. And then the final game would be Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock on CBS. Now, the lowest seed winner from the wild card goes to face Baltimore and San Francisco, whichever side you're on, AFC or NFC. So um, if two or three, two or three don't doesn't go to the lowest seed because that's just not how seeds work. So either the four, five, six, or seven seed are going to go play Baltimore or San Francisco. So we got to wait until Sunday afternoon to find out who's going to face Baltimore. And then 
if Green Bay wins against Dallas, Green Bay will have to go to San Francisco. If Dallas wins, we're going to have to wait till Monday night to see who's going to go against San Francisco. So if Dallas and Detroit both win their games, they're going to have to face each other in the next round, which is what I want. I want to see Dallas go down in the most historic, historic plummet in history of the Dallas Cowboys. Because they didn't even win the last time we faced them. The refs made a mistake and they called a two-point conversion back. That could have won us the game. Dallas Cowboys lost that game. We won that game. We're undefeated in primetime games. We're 5-0. and I'm calling it right now. We're 5-0 and in primetime games. We've never lost an 8 o'clock game this season. And it's going to continue this Sunday against Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Book it. Um, the AFC side, Baltimore, I don't see, I don't see Buffalo or Kansas City losing their games. The game to watch is Cleveland-Houston. I want to see who comes out of that matchup because whoever comes out of that matchup is making it to the AFC Championship. I'm putting that out there right now. The winner of the Cleveland-Houston game is going to the AFC Championship. against either Baltimore, Kansas City, or Buffalo. And the crazy thing is, Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns are the only team to beat both Baltimore and San Francisco in the same season. They beat both one seeds in the same season. Pittsburgh, which is the seventh seed, is the only team to beat Baltimore twice this season. So they already know how to beat Baltimore. Cleveland knows how to beat Baltimore, too. Miami got trounced by Baltimore. Kansas City got beat by Baltimore. Buffalo got beat by Baltimore. I don't think Houston played Baltimore this year, but I I would want to see that matchup. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we won't. But on the NFC side, I definitely want to see Dallas, Detroit, and then... It's gonna be. It's gonna have the winner of Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, is gonna go to San Francisco, and I think the the only people who can put up a fight against San Francisco. I'm not saying they're gonna win against San Francisco, but put up a fight is Philadelphia, because Tampa Bay. I haven't heard of Tampa. I haven't looked at a Tampa Bay game all season. All season. Never seen it. Didn't care. But I'm forced to watch Tampa Bay and Philadelphia this Monday on ESPN or ABC, whichever network it's on. But anyway, the wild card is going to be amazing. Can't wait to see it. I will be watching all the games, and I'll come back next week with a synopsis of everything. I might uh, talk about it on the Criss Cross Corner podcast. We're all going to talk about it on the Criss Cross Corner podcast. So beware for that episode coming up next week. And either we win or lose. If we win, I'm going to be excited next week. It's going to be very loud, so please turn down your uh, headsets. If we lose, I'm definitely going to be loud. And I'm going to point out everything we did wrong. Book it. The city of Detroit is definitely going to be off the chain this weekend. I'm going to go down there on Saturday just to feel the atmosphere, you know, just to feel like this is a this is a home game for the Detroit Lions at Ford Field. I just can't. It's going to be so loud when the Rams get the ball. They won't be able to hear through their headsets. They won't be able to hear nothing. It is going to be so loud in Ford Field. There are going to be so many false starts on Matthew Stafford, it's a shame. I wish I could go, but tickets were six hundred bucks, so I'm I, I was I was I was ass out. 
So the Detroit Lions, good luck this Sunday. I'm rooting for you from my couch. And if you don't win, I hope Dallas loses. And Green Bay. And Philly. And Tampa Bay. <laughs> if Detroit loses, I don't know who I'm going to go for. Um, I might just go for San Francisco just because it's the safest choice. Um, I do think San Francisco is the more complete team than Baltimore. Uh, however, Baltimore has shown that they can be beat by a team that shouldn't beat them. And I'm not talking about Cleveland. I'm talking about Pittsburgh. Cleveland, Cleveland has a good defense. They don't have a good offense, but their defense will stop anything. San Francisco has beat teams. They they beat Philadelphia. They beat Dallas. They beat a lot of teams. Even with their starters not in the game, they still beat them by a lot. Shout out to Brock Purdy, man. But these these Detroit Lions, if they don't win this year, it'll be a shame. And I don't know how they're going to come back from this, but I know we will because Dan Campbell is a hell of a coach. He's energetic. He's for the people. He's for the team. And I like that. And to watch these lines last year, actually the first year Dan Campbell came in, I watched every game. Even though it was 313-1, I watched every game. 313-1 to last year being, what was it, 9 and 9-8. and eight, To this year having 12-4, and 12-5 and five, I mean. Like that is progression. You took a team that was, was horrible under Matt Patricia Took that team, inherited it, was like, okay, let's see what we got. 313 and one. The next year got rid of stuff, put more pieces together, uh, got a lot of defensive pieces, got nine and eight. And then this year got a lot of offensive pieces. Went 12 and five. Our offense, when it does the right thing, when it does what it's supposed to do, puts up points. Puts up 28 points, 35 points, 42 points. It's our defense, our defensive backs that need to show up on Sunday night. If they don't show up on Sunday night, we're going to lose that game. Voter asked the former UN ambassador during the New Hampshire town hall. I believe it was Wednesday. I think it was like the 20, December 27th. I believe it was December 27th on a Wednesday. She asked them it's the simplest history question anyone could ever answer. You would think if you're going to ask a presidential candidate this easy question, they would answer it correctly and quickly. The voter asked the former UN ambassador and current governor from South Carolina, Nikki Haley, what was the cause of the Civil War? She said, without stuttering, with a straight face, she said that I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run the freedoms, and what people could and couldn't do. I mean, I think it all comes down to the role of government. We need to have capitalism. 
We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all the things so that individuals have the liberty so that they can have the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want. Now, you can just listen to that on YouTube, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, NPR, PBS Kids. Anybody who listens to this woman after someone just asked a simple question, if you're going to vote for this lady, I feel sorry for you and your family. I just feel sorry for you because this woman has to go. We need to have capitalism. We need economic freedom. The cost of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run. What? What? We need to have freedom of speech? Freedom of religion? Let me school Nikki Haley and everybody else who thinks the same way she thinks. The Civil War, I'll give it to them. The Civil War was about the economy at the time. I'll give them that. And by all accounts, check, that's right. The Civil War was also about states' rights. And I'll give people that. Yes, it was about states' rights. Because the Civil War was about states that left the Union. They seceded from the Union because they wanted the rights. Their rights to do a certain thing. And I'll get to that in a second. The Civil War was about states' rights to use slaves. To have slaves. For the agrarian economies. The Civil War was about states' rights to own slaves. The American Civil War was about the moral issue of slavery and the treatment of Black people in this country. If you think otherwise, you have been brainwashed because the, the, the states that seceded the, seceded the Union, the states that seceded the Union wanted slavery. It's a fact. Before all this happened, in the early 1800s, um, slavery ended, and I believe the transatlantic crossing ended, I believe it was, it was illegal, banned, in the early 1800s, 1808, I believe it was. And since 1808, and a little bit after that, because, you know, there's a period, you know, because we didn't have internet or anything. But a period from 1808 to about 1865, white owners, including state senators, state governors, state representatives, presidents of the United States, slept with their slaves. Or they made the slaves sleep with each other, even if they were from the same family, to create more slaves. And then around, you know, the 1830s, 1840s. Hey, slavery doesn't seem like a good thing. We should stop this. We should abolish it. That's where the term abolitionists come from. Then around the 1850s, um, actually while this was happening, they were trying to, um, you know, decide which states would have Slaves. And these states would be lower than the Mason-Dixon line, which is a, you know, a line that separates the North from the South later in the, in the Civil War. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, the Compromise of 1850. Not to be mistaken with the Missouri Compromise. Happened because Missouri was becoming a state. And they wanted to know if it was going to become slave state or free state. Also, what was going on in the 1840s and 1850s was the gold rush. And new states were happening and becoming in the West. States like Utah, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, California. California being the big one. It be, and it became a state in the late 1840s. And there was a decision to, to be made of which 
type of state this was going to be? Was it going to be a free state where people could just not be slaves? Or would it be a slave state where people of color, especially black people, would have to be slaves? Because it was legal at the time. The Missouri Compromise, and you, you can look this up. I'm not making this up. This is a fact. Um, the Missouri Compromise said, hey, California can be a free state. Missouri could be a slave state. And after that, all this, most of the states in the South, if not all of them, actually all of them were slave states. You can look at a map. You can look definitely look at a map and see that there was a north-south divide. And the South wanted... Yeah, so Missouri became a slave state. California became a free state. But then we kept on pushing west. We kept on pushing, pushing west. White people like to call it Manifest Destiny. Um, I like to call it the Trail of Tears because they killed a lot of people on their way west. And we'll get into that on another episode. But there's a term in a time called Bleeding Kansas. That was where popular sovereignty, whoever settled in, in that state, that was what it was going to be, slave versus free. So everybody rushed to Kansas to live in Kansas. Be like, hey, we're moving to Kansas, so this could be a free state. And the slave states were like, no, we're going to move here because we want, we want it to be a slave state. And they had fights, shootings, stabbings, killings, everything. It was called Bleeding Kansas. It eventually became a free state. And that was pretty much a catalyst for what was to, what was to come. So in the late 1850s, there was this guy from Illinois named Abraham Lincoln, who was the Republican candidate, which was for a, a United States for no slavery. The Southern states wanted another candidate. Of course, we all know what happened. 1868, in the 1860 election, Abraham Lincoln won by a landslide and the people in the South who wanted slaves revolted in 1861. April of 1861, we all know Fort Sumter, it happened, South Carolina seceded from the Union and and about 12 other, 12 other states went with them, creating the Confederate States of America along with the Confederate Army, Confederate streets, Confederate roads, Confederate generals. And of, and of course, we're going to talk about the Confederate flag because that's where it comes from. It's the flag of the, the Confederacy of the Confederate States of America. So that's how the Civil War began. The cause of the Civil War was because people wanted slaves. It was the discussion about the morality and ethics of having slaves, of having a particular group of people, in this case, African-Americans, as slaves. And she could not answer the question. Do you want this person as your president? Do we really want Nikki Haley as our president when she can't answer a simple question about something that happened in America? You can't make this stuff up. You can't rewrite history. This is what happened. It scares me to think that people are going to vote for this person. It's very scary. And people talk about CRT, critical race theory, and you shouldn't be teaching kids about the, the stuff about it. It's, you shouldn't be teaching certain things. You should be teaching about, teaching, teaching, teaching about slaves and American history. Like 17th, 18th, and 19th century America is probably the best history anybody, citizens or not, that anybody could have. Because it teaches people what we were what we stood for and still stand for today and what we need to change today 
or a better tomorrow. So when teaching about the Civil War, because apparently Nikki Haley needs to get a, a refresher course, when teaching about the Civil War, it is essential that students, adults, grandparents have an understanding of what slavery was in the, in the United States and how it led to the Civil War and how the legacies of the Civil War still influence us today. You can see how, if you go lower than the Mason-Dixon line, how things look, how things are talked about. You can see how things north of the Mason-Dixon line are after the Great, the Great Migration. And we'll get to that on another episode. We need to teach the next generation that laws were put here in place after slavery in 1865 to keep people of color, especially Blacks, as second-class citizens or third-class citizens in some states. That's why we had to create HBCUs, historically Black college and universities. That's why the country favored affirmative action in the 1960s. That's why we have Black History Month. That's why we have American Studies programs at major universities in the country. So the legacy of Black people and the treatment of Black people will not be forgotten. We need to keep these things in our schools. We need to keep, and not even keep it as like a Black History Month thing. These things need to be permanently in history books. This happened because this happened. The Civil War happened because 13 states wanted to own slaves. Period. And Black history shouldn't just end at 1865 and then jump to Rosa Parks sitting on a damn bus in the 1950s. From 1865 to 1965 is a hundred years, one zero zero, one hundred years of people of color, specifically black people in America, being treated not equal at all. And there were laws put in place in the late 1950s, 60s, or 70s to stop that from happening because people were tired of it. And now it looks like we're going to have to fight for our rights again in 2024 because Nikki Haley doesn't believe that slavery was the cause of the Civil War. That we need to move on we have moved on. We're just not going to forget why we're here now. Don't think that we're holding on and just staying back because we think that we need to be given something. We're taking what we can get. We're just not going to forget what this country has done to my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, their grandparents, and their grandparents' grandparents, they fought for us to be here. My grandma's generation fought for my mom's generation to be able to do what they're doing today. My mom's generation fought for my generation to do what we did in the 2000s and 2010s. And I'm going to fight for my kids and kids in the next generation who won't have to go through this BS that we're going through right now. No more voter suppression. No more lies from both sides of the political spectrum. We want to be able to live in this country equal, have equity, and we're going to get to equality and equity on another episode. We just need to be equal and be treated the way we're supposed to be treated.
I'll give you guys a taste of what I do on the crisscross corner. I usually end the show with a top 10 list. And it's just, just from random topics. So this week I wanted to do my top 10 worst presidents on record. This is not me being bipartisan being partisan or me uh, just bashing somebody because I don't like them. This is this is what they did. I I I I did a list. I do my research. This is what they did. Okay. Okay. So my top 10 worst presidents on record. Let's start off with number 10. We have Zachary Taylor, president from 1849 to 1850. And we just talked about what happened in 1850. He was the 12th president, part of the Whig Party. Uh, he was one of eight presidents to die in office. That's not knocking him. He wasn't the worst president because he died in office. I'm not saying that. Um, he was more forgettable than being the worst president because he had a short term. and he was a slave owner that objected to the idea of secession. So he was part of the slave owner society, but the slave owner society didn't like him because he didn't want them to leave the union. So he was part of a party, but wasn't part of a party. Sounds like somebody we know, <laughs> Donald. I mean, okay, move on. Number nine. We have Herbert Hoover, 1929 to 1933, also a very tumultuous time in the U.S. He was the 31st president, and he was a uh, he was a Republican. I'm just ten, I'm gonna say the president when he was president, uh, what number of president he was, and the political party he was part of. He was a very poor communicator. He fueled tra uh, trade wars. He exacerbated the Great Depression because that was when the Great Depression happened, 1929. Uh, he lowered taxes for the rich, and he started public projects to create jobs, which which was which was okay, okay, that's that's cool. Um, but he was also a very rich person, so he came off as uncaring and indifferent to a lot of things. Uh, a lot of people became homeless because of him. Um, of course, he inherited a lot of stuff from the previous uh, administration, but the Great Depression happened on his watch, and he made the Depression worse by lowering taxes and allowing companies to profit off people who didn't have much. And a lot of people went homeless, and the little towns that a lot of these homeless people became part of were called Hoovervilles. That's where the term Hooverville is coming from. There are these small homeless towns. Like, I would say they would be like Skid Row in, in Los Angeles, California. There was many of those across the country because of policies that Herbert Hoover enacted. And also because people didn't know how to manage money. Uh, it wasn't always, it wasn't all uh, Herbert Hoover's fault, but he was part of the time that America needed a boost. And they got that boost in 1933 with FDR. But he's not one of the worst presidents. He's one of the better presidents. Actually, he's in my top five as the, of the best presidents of all time. But we'll get to that on another episode. Number eight, John Tyler. John Tyler was the president from 1841 to 1845. He was the 10th president. He was an independent starting, and then he became a Whig. Um, he was the first president to he was the first president to become president after the previous president passed away. So he was the president under, I believe that was, let me see. He was president under William Henry Harrison, which we will talk about as well on this show. John Tyler was pretty much what Zachary Taylor was. He was part of a, he was independent, but then he became a Whig, but didn't do what the Whigs were supposed to do to remain being a Whig. You know? They were like, wait, what, wait, come on our side. But you get on our side and you're like, wait, what are you doing? It's like playing dodgeball. I pick you to be on my team, but then when it comes to us throwing the balls at them, you're throwing the balls at me. Like, yo, we're on the same team. 
So politically, he was horrible. And then the country thought it was horrible, too, because he wasn't getting anything done. So number seven, we have Millard Fillmore, 1850 to 1853. You see how all these dates are kind of like together? I just talked about 1850 and the Missouri Compromise, and, you know, it's all in the same area, guys. It's all in the same time. So Millard Fillmore was president from 1850 to 1853. He was the 13th president. He was a Whig. He backed the Compromise of 1850 that delayed the Southern secession by allowing slavery to spread across, you know, across some states. So Kentucky became a slave state and West Virginia, um, Maryland and Delaware became slave states. Which I didn't even know Delaware was a slave state. Like, that's crazy. I didn't even know that Delaware State was a HBCU. My mind was blown when I found out that Delaware had a HBCU. I forgot that Delaware was a state, to be honest. It was it's actually our first state. Delaware is our first state of the union. That is a fact. But anyway, he supported the uh, Compromise of 1850, and he had he enacted fugitive slave laws, the Fugitive Slave Acts, were under Millard Fillmore. So thank you, Millard Fillmore. And if you guys don't know what the Fugitive Slave Acts were, they were acts where if a slave escaped, um, they would send people up north to capture them and bring them back. And when you got back, you were either treated with love and affection, like, oh, my lost puppy, or you were beaten to death or killed. So thank you, Millet Fillmore. Number six, we have Warren G. Harding, ugly president. Just ugly. I'm not gay or anything, but, but he ugly. Okay. Warren G. Harding, 1921 to 1923. This was the president after the huge Spanish flu and the booming era of America. There was a huge boom in the 1920s. It was called the Roaring Twenties. Prosperity, yeah. He was the 29th president and he was a Republican. He's the only president in history on record saying, and I quote, I am not fit for this office and should have never been there. This is coming from the President of the United States. I am not fit for this office and should have never been there. This man was inept and he was very corrupt. Sounds like a president that we know about. And we'll get to him in a second. Number five, we have William Henry Harrison. Was only president for like, I don't know, maybe a month. He was the ninth president from 1841, and he was, a, he was part of the Whig Party. He died due to pneumonia after delivering the longest inaugural address in U.S. history in the freezing rain. I probably told him not to do it, but he went on anyway and did the longest inaugural address in U.S. history. That's why you're the most stupidest president ever. More stupid than Donald Trump, because you actually did something that you could have stopped. You could have been like, you know, what? I'm cutting this. I'm cutting this speech short. I'm out of here. Nope. You went on longer and you died for it. Good job, William Henry Harrison. Number four, we have Franklin Pierce. 1853 to 1857. This is a very tumultuous time. This is a time where I told you, I told you in the Civil War story that this is the time where everybody was talking about a slave state or free state. Keep that in mind. He supported the Kansas-Nebraska Act. I just talked about that earlier. That caused bleeding Kansas. Okay? Kansas became a free state. Which caused the Civil War to start. It helped set the stage for the Civil War. Thank you, Franklin Pierce. He was the 14th president, and he was a Democrat. Number three, we have Andrew Johnson. 
Andrew Johnson was the president after Abraham Lincoln, after he was assassinated. He was the 17th president, and he was a Republican. He resisted policies aimed at securing the rights and well-being of the newly emancipated African Americans. He was also a Southerner. He was the only Southerner to retain his seat after the secession ended. So after the Confederacy and the United States of America came back together, he was the only person from the South, from the Confederate States of America, to keep his seat. And he became the president of the United States. He encouraged opposition to the 14th Amendment, which pretty much gave black people the right to vote. Um, and he turned a blind eye to those Southerners who tried to undo what the Civil War had accomplished. So he was the president during the beginning of Jim Crow laws in the American South. And he did nothing about it. But it was a time where, you know, you had to please everybody. And the Southern states didn't like black people. So when in Rome. Number two, my favorite worst president of all time, because I have lived to see him be president, Donald Trump. 2017 to 2021, he was a Republican. He was the 45th president of the United States. He is setting records, y'all. Donald Trump is setting so many records for the wrong reasons. <laughs> These are facts, everybody. I'm not telling lies here. These are all facts. He's the only president to be impeached twice. He is a consistent liar, misleading statements. He's a very corrupt con man. Um, he has tariff battles with China. Has hurt farmers' uh, intentions. He threatens to increase prices of consumer goods. He is a misogynist. He's a racist. He is your typical white billionaire. A person who just doesn't care. Not just about anybody, not just about black people, but people of color. He doesn't even care about poor white people. And y'all the people that voted for this man. I'm going to say this again. If you're living in West Virginia, small town Michigan, small town Wisconsin, small town Iowa, small town Alabama, has you have has your life gotten better with Donald Trump as your president? Because I can drive through Niles, Michigan. I can drive through Flint, Michigan. I can drive through Cahokta, Michigan. I can go to Ashtabula, Ohio. Donald Trump doesn't care about those places. If you're going to vote for somebody because you do think he cares about them, don't care about the person who literally just said, I don't care about you. This man incited hate and bigotry and sides with the neo-Nazis and other white supremacist groups calling them great people. He incited a riot at the U.S. Capitol. He trusted Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, and other dictators in China, Turkey, Philippines, and Egypt. That's what doesn't get me. You literally say that China and Russia are our enemies, but you're on TV praising them. I'm telling you, this man is a con man. He literally, he literally told, he literally agreed the Taliban to say, hey, if you if you if the United States leaves Afghanistan, will you not take back over? And the Taliban said yes. And Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump shook their hands 
and said, okay, we'll, we'll initiate us coming out of Afghanistan. Of course, they came out of Afghanistan when Biden became president. And when they came out of Afghanistan, the Taliban took right over again. Thanks, Trump. You also obstructed justice officials, your own FBI director, your own attorney general, your own vice president has talked shit about you. And people are still going to vote for this man. That's the sad part. Any other Republican candidate, besides Nikki Haley, of course, would be perfect. Of course, now it's just Ron DeSantis because Chris Christie dropped out earlier today. It's going to be Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis going against Donald Trump for the Republican primary. All three, all three people shouldn't be president. It's going to be very close in 2024. You heard it here on the Chris versus Everybody podcast. Number one on my worst presidents of the United States on record. James Buchanan, 1857 to 1861, he was the president when the Civil War began. He was the president when the Civil War began. People say it was like April 12, 1861, when Lincoln was president. But James Buchanan was the president that was like, you know what? If something happens, just let it happen. He refused to challenge either the spread of slavery or the growing block of states that became the Confederacy. He refused to challenge free states and slave states. He encouraged the Dred Scott decision. He believed the Constitution gave him no power to act against the would-be seceding states, which he had full power. He was a dumbass president. And he was the only unmarried president. That's a crazy fact. The only bachelor. The only president who could be out here. That's crazy. He's the only president. James Buchanan is the only president out here that could have been like, yo, I'm out here. And you know what I mean. Only president that can have a different woman by his side every press conference. <laughs> Shout out to James Buchanan, man. You're the worst president, but man, if I was in your shoes, I would do a whole better job. And that's my episode for today. See you guys next time. Peace.